turn it off now. You need this stuff. Tampa Bay's Tantalk Radio Network. co-host doctor the doctor the doctor is in the house <laughs> dr angel falzoni yes absolutely so glad to have you here doctor and it's good to be here listen to your right, adoring fans all right dr angel phd licensed mental health counselor and as always our resident expert right here on our weekly show on thursday night Love doing this show with you. We have almost gotten to the four-year mark. I know. We're getting so close. I am so excited. It's very exciting, isn't it? Actually, Pete, you may not know this, but we're going to hit four years the middle of September. Wow. Uh, I think I came in here on the third year. Yeah, I think you did. Yeah. And then, I remember. You were one of my first shows that I actually produced. You did. Oh, yes. Wow. yes, you did. I yeah. remember. And on September 23rd, we are going to hit the 600th show wow. of our Sunday afternoon show at 3 o'clock. Congratulations. Which is almost 12 years, 11 and a half years. That's awesome. So right here with this station, Tantalk Network, and we love the station, Lola and all you guys. Everybody's consistency great. right there. Yes. It's consistency, and we Good love stuff. doing these shows. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be a fun time in September. Middle the second week of September and the third week. So very nice anniversary weekend weeks for us right around here. So why do we do this show, Doctor Angel Falzoni? Because we want to help our listeners live the best life possible. Absolutely, and because of that, we have uh, maintained all these shows from the last almost four years. A lot of them are right here on www.tantalknetwork.com in the form of podcasts. So when you go to this website, tantalknetwork.com, look for the tab that says podcasts. Go down. There's going to be a big list of all the shows on this network. Go to Go Yard for these shows. For our Sunday show, it's Living the Good Life. So those are the names of the shows. Go there and you'll find the podcast very recent and they can find shows past shows on our website which is www.goyard2014 because that's the year we began dot org it's an org so uh check those out and why would they want to go to our website to check those out well they would want to go there because those shows are titled so right you will know find be able to find a show about what's going on right now in your life we've probably covered that we topic in all these years <laughs> yeah uh, maybe more than once from different right. angles and so it's a tool for you right in the moment when you need it free access you know it's great it's right there and every show is you know it's strengths based so we're really working at giving you tools to get you through strengths based yeah we're very strengths based we just want people to get stronger that's it and All we the time. focus on how how they can get through Absolutely. and not just you know depression you know talk about the problem and make it so you know overwhelming we want to give you solutions solutions and we that's you what we're about and really things you can do today Absolutely. We just finished a three-part series, Navigating Change in the Seasons of Your Life. There are three parts to that series, and they are all up on podcast right here at TantalkNetwork.com under Go Yard. You're going to find those three shows, Navigating Change, 
in the seasons of your life. I really enjoyed doing that series. Uh, I think you did too. It, yes, I did. It started out to be a one a one hit wonder, right? It, it was sure going to be did. a one show, and then. After the first show, we go, oh, no, we haven't covered this and this and this. So we did a second show. And then after the second show, we said, ah, no, there's more to cover. And so we did a third show in that series. We have a lot of series uh, that we have done, so many, on domestic violence, on parenting, on divorce, on just all kinds of challenges in our lives. So check out our podcast, and you will be glad that you did. And so we're glad that you're joining us tonight. We are live in the studio uh, this is one of those shows we do every three months or so. It's called a Q&A show. And these are actual <laughs> questions from actual listeners. <laughs> these are not things that Dr. Angel just wrote when she got bored and <laughs> wrote up these ideas. These are real people asking real questions. And with we encourage you to write down our email address because these questions are so long. If you can see my paper, you wouldn't believe it, uh, that there's no way you can text it. It, They're usually very detailed. If you want to send in a question and it will be featured on perhaps the next show, and by the way, we're going to do another Q&A show next week because we had so many questions recently. We can't begin to cover them all. But you just uh, go to our email address, goyard2014 at gmail.com. Goyard2014 at gmail.com and send us a question. Question number one, are you ready, resident expert? I am ready. Dun, da, da, dun, dun. <laughs> All right. That was our drum roll, Pete. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. I am pregnant. No, I am not. No. I, you I, I, are. No, absolutely not. Wow. Absolutely this is be a different show. not. I'm a great grandmother. <laughs> I am pregnant with my first child, this person says, and people want to touch my stomach. This is a woman, obviously. Constantly. I do not mind when it is close family and friends. However, strangers and coworkers just think they can come up to me and touch my stomach. This makes me feel really uncomfortable. How do I navigate it when strangers, coworkers, or those I do not know well want to touch my stomach? I don't want to come off as being rude. Very Whoa. interesting. I think it's kind of an age-old problem. It is. I, mean, I, I kind of think... remember my three pregnancies and everybody wanting to touch my ever-blossoming belly. Well, how did you handle that? It depended on who it was. Exactly. And, and you know what? That's what this question reveals, really isn't is. it? It is. And, you know, it is funny how people see someone who's pregnant and they just feel like they can just go touch them, like, without knowing who this person really is or having a very, you know, different kind of relationship yeah. with them. It's odd how all of a sudden this boundary i mean it's a boundary violation of your physical body becomes breakable or at least we think it's breakable when someone's pregnant yeah they feel okay about it yeah unwanted touch is unwanted touch so if you are in walmart let's say doctor and you're you're not pregnant because we know you've already had three grown children (laughs) and uh you are and you were at that time uh pregnant and somebody came up to you that you absolutely did not know and they let's say appeared like they hadn't had a shower for about a a week or two what would you do in a situation like that that's what this lady's asking i get what she's asking and i you know i hear you don't want to come off as rude but no you, you need to affirm your boundaries and if you don't want somebody touching you use your words you don't have to say it rudely or belligerently you can just say you know please don't touch me you know i used my words i am a person that is very guarded and private and i don't like a lot of people touching on me either so you have to use your words and it's how you use your words is how it comes across a lot of times i mean you can say it you know in many different ways and it can come up well give us an example of one way you can touch me yeah don't do that that's rude right okay but if you're like please can you not touch my stomach you know that is a boundary you're using words but you're not being rude about it okay and i think you need to use do you need to give a reason why you don't want to be touched you don't owe a defense of why you don't and it's really important you develop the skill while you're pregnant because the next thing people think they can do is touch your baby is touch your child (laughs) and pick your your child up out of a stroller yes oh i just want to hold him and then boom that you know yes they do i can remember those days and they come out and so you need to get practicing using your words it's a good time right now so that you can protect your child from the people you don't want picking them up or touching them or doing whatever so are you saying you don't have to give an excuse you don't owe anybody an explanation other than please don't touch my stomach 
Hmm. And you can say it nicely and calmly. And can you just let that go? I and mean, it after go. it happens, don't yes. feel bad about it. And, oh, I should have let that person. No, no. You, you really don't owe anybody that, right? And nobody that you shouldn't have. You don't have to let people touch you that you don't want to touch you. I mean, it's your body. I remember from being pregnant three times in four years that there were a lot of these opportunities. Oh, yeah. And I can also remember that I learned through that myself because I didn't want people doing that to be respect the boundaries with friends and and, and family and whatever and and never take it for granted. Even with my own daughters-in-law, I don't take that for granted and without asking is it okay if I, or why don't you let me know if you, if the baby kicks and you want me to feel it, you right. know, that's the kind of thing I've done through the yeah, years. Yeah, because we've been through it. You can be we've more sensitive. And, yeah. you know, when a new mom um, that's pregnant, you know, it, it definitely is a different experience. I mean, we don't go around touching people usually in weird places and in public. And so I can understand where it feels awkward for her. Um, but once we have kids, people want to try and correct your yes. kids and touch oh, your yes. kids. And you oh gotta my learn. gosh, the things that people want to try and do once you have kids. And it's important to learn to use your words. Just use them now. Learn to use them now. And don't feel bad about it. No. Let the thing go after the incident happens. Just let it go. Let it go. Use your words. You don't have to be mean. And you're not being rude by saying no. your words. No, you're not. All right, let's get a question two because we got several to get through here. <laughs> Hope that answers this person's question. Thank you, Pete. Oh, such All a better right. drum roll. That is good. I like that drum roll. All right, question two. I have a very demanding job that has a lot of sensitive timelines and deadlines. When I take vacation or time off for holidays, it makes me so anxious as that I am falling perhaps further behind in my work by not being there. I cannot even relax on vacation. Oh man. That's, wow. Uh, knowing that I will have a lot more work to do to catch up when I get back. I get this knot in my stomach. I have heard this from so many people mm-hmm. in business. Cannot sleep, cannot think, and uh, cannot stop thinking of my work duties. I want to be able to unplug from work without these feelings. How do I deflate my work anxiety so I can enjoy time off? That is such a good question, and it applies to so many people, me included. It applies to a lot of people and a lot lot of lines of work. You know, there are a lot of positions where there are, you know, it's push, 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 push. We're in this technology age, you know, and we're expected to have emails 24-7 and texts and phone calls. And even when you're on vacation, I can't even give you the number of people that come into counseling that have told me, you know, I just can really never get a day off because I'm always on, you know, have to have my phone or what if there's an emergency and that's not okay, first right. of all. It's not okay. It's not okay. We need uh, that time off is precious and we need that. Our bodies, our families, you know, we need that time off. Our families okay. need we us to need have that it, time but off. What about the anxiety that comes when we realize we're going to go back to more work that's going to be so piled up? Can a person maybe be proactive before they leave work and get some help with certain duties perhaps well, and sometimes that is absolutely what you can do you know here's what's happening i'm finding with a lot of jobs right now is that they're just overpiling they're people to a yeah. workload that's yeah. really almost not humanly possible yeah. right and you're right when you're gone it's still piling and you know you're coming back to like 10 times what you left it uh, can be very stressful i get that anxiety and stress about it so what you need to do first of all is know that your job is a job mm-hmm. it is not the entirety of who you are in your life that's right so work utilizing priority list um, work utilizing good organization skills and put your time in and when you're there do your job to your full ability right because that's all we can do. So don't waste your time talking at the water cooler, or, you know, 20-minute conversations and all the, you know, coffee or the That's a good suggestion. Make the most job. of your time, yeah. And then when you're not there, you can either delegate some of those tasks if they're due while you're gone or maybe have a partner that can help you with work when mm-hmm. cover for you a little. I like that. And you cover for them a little. Right. Um, that will help you to let it go. Yep. Okay. I like that. But you, you don't. I don't want you to sit in stress when you're taking that well, time yeah, off. Well, yeah, because then your vacation becomes not what a vacation is supposed to be, which is a time a renewal, where you really right. relax and renew. 
And you're sitting there right. and you're not really with your family because, or whoever you're traveling or doing vacation with, because your mind is back at work and you didn't really take a vacation because your mind stayed at work the whole time. I can totally we relate just gotta to this. We just got to learn that boundary of our jobs. I think so many of us fall into that trap of, you know, we are so valuable and we have to do this. And if we don't do this and we're not good people or whatever, but we're humans and right. put an honest day's work in, do the best you can while you're there. And it's okay. Shut it off. Shut it off. Question number three. Hope that helped you call her. I am really struggling to deal with my mother who has been diagnosed as having, ooh, borderline personality disorder, which I'm going to ask you to define that briefly if you can in a moment. Okay, keep okay. going through the question because they actually describe what's happening oh, okay. very well. All right, my mother cannot keep a stable relationship in her life. Okay, that's part of that. Mm-hmm. She's constantly casting me out of her life, and then she still randomly calls and wants me back in life in my her life like nothing ever happened. That's another characteristic. Mm-hmm. If I have a girlfriend or talk to relatives, she gets so explosively angry with me. She tells me I do not love her. I never loved her. No one loves her. And she cries. What she, What did she do that no one will give her love? Wow. She makes up lies about me to others. Then she will harm herself to do something to land in the hospital and tells me it is because I'm such an awful son to her that I am causing her all this pain. I have no idea what to do. She is my mother. I was raised to respect and honor her, but I feel like I'm on a roller coaster with her. Time with her can be really good and fun, and time with her can be a nightmare of pain, and I never know what I'm going to get when I am with her. When things are good for her, I am the best son in the world. And when things are not good for her, I become a waste of life, and she wishes I was never born. Her words and behaviors hurt me so deeply. How do I honor and respect my mother while not hurting so much on the inside all the time? Wow. Roller coaster of emotions. Big. And when you're talking about borderline personality disorder, personality disorders are very pervasive mental health um, conditions. Right. Um, They're typically last an entire life of mm-hmm. someone because they there, there's not a quick cure so ingrained into who that person is right there's not a quick cure at all um they can learn if they if they can see it most of them have no idea everyone else around them sees it but they can't see what they're what they have so they don't usually right. want to work on changing it so for borderline some of the key things you'll see is this is very well described so there is that feeling of abandonment they fear you're you know if you have a relationship with someone else and you can't love them enough or give right. them enough so they're like a bottomless pit there's never enough of you for them um and they can switch on a dime they can go from loving you to hating you very intently i noticed that in this guy's uh, yeah and they can they question. can switch on a dime yeah nothing has to happen to make that switch happen it's right. in, it's inside of them it's what's in happening head. so yeah. you might be you know the reason all their life problem happened all of a sudden and you like showed up to bring them dinner and then now you've become a monster to them and you're like what happened i just brought my mother dinner you know or something like that it doesn't make sense there's a lot of explosive anger yes um typically with the borderline personality uh self-harm so we will see them do things to themselves. It's kind of a manipulation to kind of make everyone see how bad you are. Right. Um, they're really good at trying to make their reality believable to other people. So they kind of try to make it happen. Yeah. I've seen people go as far as punching themselves in the face to say that somebody else is oh, beating wow. on them. Like yeah. it can get very out of hand, a very attention seeking. So they okay. need everybody to know everything that's going on. Yeah. And it can be really hard to navigate a family, mother, son relationship with this because they're not stable. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. no stability in borderline. Yep. And it's always when's the bottom going to fall out again. And, right. And that's when, the sad part of it. You don't know how yeah. to, and you really don't know how to even make any inroads in this because generally speaking, there's not a lot that can be done for these people, is what I hear you saying. Not a lot. And. Until they see it and really want to work on it. And even then, it takes a long time in therapy. So, you know, when a son, you know, a child needs a parent to, you know, be the strong one. And in this case, the son's having to be that strong one. Absolutely. So there's that loss and grief of what your parent should be for you, first of all. That comes with any personality disorder. Because they can't give what they don't have, and they don't have it. Mm -hmm. Um, And learning 
about the disorder is really important because then you'll know what's the disorder and what's them and being able to separate them because it's not the same. Right. When you hear those hurtful, harmful words, you'll be able to start recognizing it. Oh, there's there's the disorder. Mm-hmm. And it helps to kind of try that's and good. stay in that relationship. Educate. So, so that's um, one of the answers right there. A great book I would recommend is Stop Walking on Eggshells. Oh, I, um, I've read that several times. It's a great book. Yeah, Paul Mason. And it mm-hmm. is an awesome book. It's written very well. Yep. It's easy to... Uh, navigate, but it, it really helps you to understand what this disorder can look like because it can look like so many different things depending on. I on have what's that going book and, and I would highly it. recommend it. It's helped me with some borderline experiences that Absolutely. I've been around through the years. Yeah. And you know, it's one of those things that there's not a medication for right, it. No. You know, and that's tricky. And, and so it's learning to navigate it, knowing they're not probably going to get better with it. And you have to start deciding how yeah. that relationship will now look. Because it will not look like your typical mother-child no. relationship. It's going to look like you're the taking it. You are going to have to learn to set boundaries of when you need to emotionally take a break. Right. Um, when you're getting manipulated, when they're throwing that attention, seeking, and realize this is the disorder. This okay. is not me. Something in their life happened, usually personality disorders, happened because of serious traumas or uh, they came with families that had personality it's usually an environmental concept for a lot of right. people um that have it and it's their it's kind of like their own demon so to right. speak that they sure. kind of got to work through and so educating yourself is really to me one of the biggest tools i, I agree you can do and letting it go and letting it go and and because you know setting boundaries you don't know what yeah Right. Let's get one more question in before we break. Go to the break. Question number four. I am planning my wedding. Thank you, engineer. She's she's having a baby and now she's planning her wedding. Yeah, now I'm planning my wedding. Man, all right. I guess that's the right order, right? I'm planning my wedding, which is costing a lot of money. It seems all of a sudden friends who were distant have come out of the woodwork and want to have a say in what I am doing and planning. It is like they believe they're entitled to give me their opinions and want me to schedule events on their timetables. Interesting stuff right there. Mm -hmm. This should be a happy time in my life. I've looked forward to planning my wedding since I was a little girl. This has become a nightmare. I cannot make everyone happy no matter what I do or plan. People are upset with me. I am not trying to upset anyone. I just want a nice wedding without chaos and breaking the bank. How do I keep this wedding planning in balance to decrease this chaos and stress? Excellent question. And a lot of families and brides and bridegrooms face this. I think anybody who's ever planned a wedding has probably had a portion of this question Mm -hmm. to ask. Um, The truth, you've said it, was you cannot please everyone. You can't. No. And your wedding is not about pleasing anyone. A wedding is about the two people joining their lives and getting married and keeping that in the perspective. Right. You know, I know a lot of times little girls, (laughs) when they're little, they dream of what their, you know, princess wedding is going to be. You know, we're fed with all these, you know, princess stories, Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty. And they do they dream of this magical event. And then the reality is it's hard work. It's stressful. It's expensive. It's, you know, chaotic. There's a lot of stuff that comes with it. And so decreasing that. So some of the things you do decrease the size of your wedding. Mm-hmm. You don't have to invite everybody. No, absolutely um, not. And make sure that you're keeping it about what you and, and your fiance want this to look like. So what do we want this to look like? This is our wedding. We're not, we're not, it's not for them. It's for us, for them to share this event with us. With that said, is it appropriate for, let's say this young lady to say to coworkers or whatever, I'd love to invite you, but you know, lim- our space is limited. Funds are limited. Uh, so sorry, you know, uh, just, just can't do it. Absolutely. And so some alternative things that I've seen some more recent brides do is, uh, maybe just have a, a get together, uh, dinner with coworkers to celebrate her getting married yeah, where like everyone buys her own mail. Maybe that, you know, and they're celebrating with her and they're not feeling left out. Right. Um, and having like a little party like yeah, that, I've seen that with too. different kinds of groups of friends, like right. coworkers or maybe church. So if you go mm-hmm. to a large church and they all think they should Need have to go, to go. Yeah. right. And right. it's expensive. It's like a hundred to $50 a head these oh, days. Oh yeah. Oh gosh. Yes. Just for a meal, yes. chicken dinner at a lot of weddings um they're running people up to a hundred thousand dollars that's yeah, a it's, lot it's just of money ridiculous and it's yeah. overwhelming and it so don't overwhelming. you know break it down who do you guys really feel like you want to share this special moment 
and you know and think of some alternatives of maybe having a barbecue with some of those friends or, <laughs> you know doing another event to get let them be a part of your celebration without having to have that really expensive right. part of the wedding and you you own your wedding so when people start saying you need to schedule things around my schedule that's not oh, how no. weddings work no your schedule if they can make it then that's fine and if they can't then that's fine well, and a lot of people are doing things like outdoor weddings, so you don't have a venue you have to take care of. I mean, just more casual. They are becoming, and they're actually becoming more, a lot of weddings become very small. I agree. Let's go to break. Prompt professional service is what you will receive when you allow Marsha McAllister of Charles Rittenberg Realty to help find that perfect home or list your home for sale. With over 23 years of experience in the Tampa Bay area, you will enjoy a smooth transaction from start to finish. Call Marsha today at 727-417-0707. Now is a great time to buy or sell a home. Call Marsha McAllister at 727 727- Four one seven zero seven zero seven. This is Megan, an independent ambassador for Plexus, the pink drink. There is finally a healthy solution to help you lose weight. It's a most natural product that will burn fat, not muscle. People around the country are experiencing amazing results, and you can too. Check out my independent ambassador website for my contact info, testimonials, and product information at mkramer, K-R-A-M-E-R, dot myplexus, P-L-E-X-U-S products.com. Don't turn it off now. You need this stuff. Tampa Bay's Tan Talk Radio Network. All right. <laughs> Good question. Why, why, why is it going this way? Wow. Welcome back to the second half of Go Yard right here tonight, live in the studio as we usually are for Go Yard. Uh, Dr. Angel, we are answering questions that have come in from actual listeners, actual questions, actual listeners. And those out there that maybe one of these questions is one you provided, then hopefully you are hearing an answer that works for you or some suggestions that will help you. We love doing these Q&A question answer shows. We've already decided to do another one next week because of the overabundance of questions coming in. So send in your questions to goyard2014 at gmail.com. We want to read those. We want to provide some answers. Question number five, resident expert. Ooh, the drum roll is getting the official one. Man, it's getting really pronounced. It's ooh, thanks to Engineer Pete. I have a good friend who has two kids. Both of her kids have severe behavior problems. Ah, and it's really hard to get together with my friend and her kids. My friend knows her kids have behavior problems, as she often is complaining about them getting kicked out of daycare or school. Huh. And people giving her negative looks at restaurants and other public places. She presents like she is a victim of her kids' behaviors. From what I have observed, my friend's lack of parenting is a big reason her kids run wild and misbehave. How do I talk to her about this without offending her? Oh, question. What makes her this person think they have to talk to her about it? Well, that's a good question. I didn't even think of that perspective. Mm, well, maybe because the, the maybe lady because is irritating her so much with the complaining, you know? Maybe the complaining. Maybe the, the kids victim. are coming to her house and tearing it up. Tearing it up. Right. Maybe she's afraid her kids will copy these behaviors. There could be a lot of reasons. Could be a lot right? of reasons we don't know. Yeah. So we can only speculate because we didn't get you that know, information. It's very annoying to have uh, little kids or even older kids that are disrespectful and misbehave and a lot of parents put up with it in the area of thinking they're cute or whatever they do you know it's really interesting this this generation especially Mm -hmm. you know parents kind of feel like it's okay for their kids to run free and wild no matter where they're at Right. We should just be putting up with that. You know, they're kids and that's what kids do. You know, if it's a restaurant, I can't tell you the number of meals that we've gone to where kids are literally running around a restaurant, like running going around to people's tables and stuff. And yeah. their parents aren't doing something I've about seen it, it. Too, through the years. It's 
What should a parent do in these cases? This is a good question. Well, and it is a very good question, and I'm sure a question that a lot of people may have experience with on some of the end. One thing is we need to, as parents, be responsible for our children, and when they're out in public, we are still responsible for what our children are doing. And, you know, we want to be right. I mean, if your child is getting kicked out of daycare and school and you're dealing with people's comments or looks when you're in public, those should be like flags that, oh, yeah, something needs to be done. And here's (laughs) the deal. When your kids have a problem as a parent, you aren't the victim. But a lot of these parents think they are. Like, I can't believe they're picking on my kid. My kid is so sweet, blah, blah, blah. Or that you're powerless to help your child change. Because you are the key to your child changing. And what I'll see this in therapy, they'll just dump them up on my desk and be like, yep, my five-year-old's got all these behavior problems. Fix them, Dr. Angel. And they leave the room. And I'm like, okay, well, first of all, the child can go leave the room. You're the one who needs to sit in the seat. Because the only thing that's going to change a child's behavior is the parent. Right. Not, you know, the child of the self. Well, the parent is put there for that very reason, to be the one that trains and molds this child, right? So maybe this parent is kind of taking a back seat when it comes to parenting her children. Maybe they haven't learned boundaries. Right. Maybe they haven't learned the word no. No. Or they (laughs) haven't learned how to handle conflict or what they can touch and shouldn't touch or when they should ask and how to respect. I would imagine this home that she lives in has got to be chaotic. It's got to be. Because kids usually act better in public than they do at home. Yeah, they do. And if this is a problem in public, I can only imagine what this home has got to feel like. And I, I could see this mom's probably very, very overwhelmed. And if you're her friend and, you know, you said this is a good friend. A good friend tells the truth. Right. A good friend tries to help strengthen and build her friend. And so it's how you Regardless present Regardless of how right. difficult and it, it might be. You know, and here again, it's how you present that information. You know, no nobody wants someone to kind of tower down on them, and especially parents. We become so territorial, like, mm-hmm. of how we parent. Mm-hmm. When other people try to tell us we're parenting wrong, we can get very, oh yeah, you know, cat aggressive come out of us. You know, but sitting down and, like, go out with this parent without your kids involved and, like, having this heart-to-heart, like, hey, you know, I see you're really struggling. Have you tried, you know, this or that or you know I've had some struggles and I found when I do this it's yeah. really helpful right you know and you can present it in an empathetic way where mm-hmm. I see you, you must be really overwhelmed so at least they they know you're caring and you're seeing that feeling and you know sharing some things that maybe could help absolutely um, without saying oh well your kids act a fool because you're a crappy parent don't, don't say do it that. that way don't do that <laughs> please don't say it that way it's and you know it's a loving and caring thing. Don't say it when the kids are around. You never want to undermine another parent in front of their children. No, ever, never. So make it a girls' night out. Go get you know a glass of wine or a tea or coffee or whatever it is you go do, and have that heart to heart with it. her. Yeah, good question or good good answer. And also, we did a series mm-hmm. on parenting. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, probably it's on our website and it's also here on TantalkNetwork.com. Uh, except here, you're not going to know which shows are parenting, but on our website, you can. So go to goyard2014.org and look for the series on parenting because you have three children. I have three children. I also have almost 12 grandchildren. I have 12. One's just not born yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but you know, with all of that, we've got a lot of experience through the years and, um, and plus, you know, that's your field. You deal with this on for your job every day with, with foster and, you know, parents and parenting. And another really great thing, too, is recommending books because, yeah. you know, sometimes it's people don't get as defensive because it's kind of a tool. And what a great book to recommend to a parent is Boundaries for Kids. Oh, okay. Uh, Cloud and Townsend wrote it. It's um, Cloud and Townsend. And it's a great book, and it helps a parent understand, like, what those boundaries should look like okay. for kids. Boundaries for Kids. Write that down, folks, or tell a friend if you have a friend that's struggling with this. And I think that's a great place to start. That's great. Question six, hate to rush, but we got all these to cover. We have a lot. And we don't have much time. (laughs) I have a younger sister who has recently been involuntarily admitted to the psychiatric hospital for trying to take her own life. Whoa, these, these questions. Wow. These are serious stuff. Using pills and alcohol twice... In the past couple of months, I didn't even realize she felt this way. 
I was talking frequently with my sister, but since her last hospital admission, I do not know what to say to her. I have no idea how to support her and our mother through this. Our mom cries all the time, afraid my sister is going to die. Mom does not want anyone else to know about what is going on with my sister. This feels so stressful. What can I do to help my sister and our family through this difficult time? What a serious question. Wow. It is, but I think it's one that a lot of families have gone through at some point. And, you know, I think there's a lot of shame involved and they don't want anybody to know. Right. You know, this is not one of those things that you're going to see posted on Facebook. You know, pray for me. I'm in the emergency room. I broke my arm kind of thing. This is, you know, there can be a yeah. lot of shame involved with this. Oh, absolutely. Um, especially, you know, people of faith may even have a higher degree of shame with this. And so they kind of go right. through it by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one of those things that you really do need support. Um, right. It's hard to support someone that's in that deep of a depression that they're trying to take their own life. Like that's oh, yeah. a, huge, a huge, deep black hole for that person. Um, and that shame, you're going to have to let go of the right. shame. It is their feelings of feeling suicidal. It's not about you. It's not right. you doing something wrong. It's about themselves right. and what's going on in their world. And, you know, people who get in that deep of depression, <coughs> I call it tunnel depression. They can't see out. They mm-hmm. only can mm-hmm. see their pain. Right. And so we have to kind of let it go about the shame. Let that shame go because mm-hmm. you do need support. You need, you need to help. find you need help. someone you can talk to about your own feelings exactly about what's right. happening. Um which is really important living in that fear that you're going to lose a family member because they're going to be successful. Mm-hmm. That's going to be horrible because you don't know, you don't know when you're going to get, a you don't call. know when you're going to get that call. So every time that phone rings, mm-hmm. you, you know, that panic and that anxiety, like we can't live in that constant hard anxiety. You really need to have some, someone you're talking to about. There's gotta this. be support groups out there for this type of thing oh, I'm or sure there's support and groups. one thing this lady says is our mom cries all the time afraid my sister is going to die and so the fear is huge fear. right here of what might happen fear of the unknown fear of what might happen and that is peril fear is paralyzing Very shame and fear shame are the two and fear. most paralyzing I mean, agents we have exactly. and what's going to happen is you're going to fall into your own depression and not be able to be supportive to, right. you know, the daughter, the sister who's having this. So the, obviously the daughter and sister needs professional help. There's right. no if there's no buts no, about they it. They to. need ongoing professional monitoring, maybe even medication. This sounds pretty severe. Um, but the family also needs that support. Yeah, you there know, needs this, to be that. Uh, sibling you know who called their sister you still need to talk to your sister and it's not about knowing what to say it's about just listening just listening and and being yes yes and caring because there is not any words there's no magic words you can say to someone in this but letting them know that you care and you're here is really important and i get it that she says here this feels so stressful it it, it is is. because you're wondering at any moment what's going to happen but and, you know, here's a risky thing. I mean, pills and alcohol, and that's usually a female's way of, of doing it right. passive. But some, you know, that success rate's there. Yeah. And you know, just takes the right combination. Right. So it's a very deadly. So it is situation. something you don't want to just bury your head in the sand. No. You want to go get a, get uh, aggressive and find help and try to 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 get this absolutely so, and yeah. help for the mother too. All of it. Yeah. And mom needs someone she can talk she to does. about it as a yeah. parent, especially. I mean. That's going to feel very devastating. Oh, and yeah. I'm sure the other sibling is feeling like all this weight is on him or her of carrying the family through this time. And it's not. And you can't be there to carry your family. You can only love and support them with what you have. So that's good insight. be there for your mom. Be there for your sister. But you can't fix how they feel about it. No. That's a really serious a tough one. question. Very tough. <clears throat> Let's try to get through these next three real quick. I have an adult child who is 25 this year. My adult child lives on his own. However, it seems he seems to come back home. Ah, <laughs> failure to launch. 
Yes. He comes back home every time he gets evicted. Oh, gets evicted from his apartment or something goes wrong. That's a key word right there. Mm -hmm. I love my adult child, but I believe he should start learning how to be more responsible for his own actions. When I was his age, I already had my own house and kids and worked through my own problems. It seems as if he believes I'm supposed to take care of him. Uh, forever. He wants the freedom of being an adult without accepting the responsibility. At what point as a parent is it okay to allow your adult child to find his own way through his mistakes and quit being his backup plan or bank, even if that means he doesn't have a place to live? Very important last sentence. At what point as a parent is it okay to allow your adult child to find his own way, make mistakes, even if he doesn't have... What, at what point? Well, this is a serious problem across America. It, it, I absolutely agree. Because there's a lot of 20-somethings and even 30-somethings that go back home or stay home and don't ever... Failure to launch. It really is. That or, old movie. Or they launched in... They came right back. Make it and they came, I saw a funny kind of meme on Facebook about this where the husband and wife went and bought a camper and it's like... Oh, well, the kids can't move back home if they don't know where it's at. <laughs> That's cute. That's cute. You know, because a lot of them are doing it. And sometimes they're coming back with their own kids and moving back in. And I can't tell you the number of families that have gone through this. But it's almost like this person is feeling guilty is. for standing up to her son when... Hey, come on. That's not okay. It's not. She recognizes it's not okay. She's really recognizing he wants freedom but not responsibility. Freedom and responsibility go hand in hand. You they can't have one do. without the other. Life doesn't work that freedom way. Freedom and responsibility. I think hand she's dealing hand. with guilt. I think she wants permission to let go. And I'm going to tell oh, her. Oh, okay. She's looking for permission to let go. She, she knows she, she needs to let go. But I think there's a lot of guilt, maybe some shame about, well, what if he's homeless? Yeah. <laughs> and right. I, as a parent, so we don't want to see our is. kids suffer. Yeah, but, you know, it's the best thing to mm-hmm. do to let them learn the hard way, quote unquote. Right. It really is. You know, and when your kid is an adult and, you know, the definition of an adult should be a self-sustaining person okay unfortunately a lot of our chronologically aged kids don't become adults until Mm -hmm. their 30s i mean Mm -hmm. it's really becoming an epidemic Um, by the time they've graduated high school yeah they're an adult they should be having responsibilities they should be you know learning to pay their own costs for their own actions if you don't pay your rent you get evicted oh well he don't care about getting evicted because he's going back to mom he's got a safety he's got a safety net and a safety net you know is one thing if it happens once or twice and you know and it's circumstances but this is not the back mom or the parent can't be the backup plan Mm -mm. and so you know what at what point you're at that point. It's you're at time that to point. Say, <laughs> this is you're the there. point. You're there. Yes. You're at the point. It's time to say, you know what? I love you, but here's how it's going to happen. You need to start taking responsibility. You're on your own. Um, I. It occurs to me as we're going through these, Dr. Angel, that a cu- recurring theme seems to be learning to let go. It, it sure is. But it wasn't planned, of course. No, these it are wasn't. the questions but that you're came right, in. But they always seem to come in with a theme. <laughs> they don't do they? seem to come in with a theme, but we don't plan that. Question number eight. Hope those pointers helped you, dear mother out there. I have a good career, one that I worked many years to develop. I keep finding myself questioning my abilities, like, why am I even doing what I am doing? Or maybe I'm not good enough to do my job. Someone may be better. I feel like this often. I know logically I am doing a good job. I have had many professionals that I've worked with write outstanding compliments to my work. My colleagues all trust my work and ask me for advice. I just never feel like I am good enough person to do my job. Like I'm not worthy. How do I stop feeling these negative feelings about myself and my job? Hmm. I was just about to say, I bet you this is not isolated just at work. And that last it, it can't line be. just It can't be just about that. work. It's, not it's just bleeding about work. over into this person's life, don't you think? I, I do. Um, I would venture to say that this probably stems from somewhere earlier in this person's life. Maybe Absolutely. messages they received in their childhood that they weren't good enough or smart enough or they weren't 
able to make a contribution or they'd be a waste. I don't know what message, but some of those negative messages definitely lead people to feel unworthy. Absolutely. You know, there's this logically, I know logically I'm doing a good job. So this person's able to separate, like I see the evidence, but they don't feel it, but I can't feel it. And you know, feelings are temporary. Right. Um, And so the evidence is a stronger measure. And so keeping that logic part is really important looking for that evidence because evidence outweighs feelings feelings what's the evidence to the feeling that you're not worthy to do your job you have a good career you probably had to have some kind of special training or education that you succeeded through your colleagues are respecting you you're getting um compliments for your work there's the so you may have peer review peer reviews or oversight reviews oversight yeah you may have all those things so So look at those instead (laughs) of banking on how you feel Mm -hmm. bank on the evidence you have Um, and then those feelings of unworthiness really just have a deep deep root and i would definitely just suggest you know working through it and counseling seeing where where did this start so that you can silence those tapes and rewrite oh, those absolutely. tapes because those are bad tapes they they're are. hard ones to rewrite yeah um and it takes some time and i would definitely suggest some counseling for that because that's usually so this is a whole thing of not feeling like you measure up even though really on paper you do right and it's still about letting go it's still about letting go it's letting yeah. go of those negative messages yes. that people gave you at some point in your life that you believe so strong that this evidence you have isn't strong enough to overcome that. And this person may have to keep a folder handy on the computer or in paper where you look at your past reviews or you mm-hmm. look at your accomplishments when you start feeling like this. Absolutely. And look at your evidence mm-hmm. when you have that your feeling evidence. of unworthiness. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Okay, we got to get to the last one. and We're actually going to make this happen. I think we are. Number nine, I am a 28... 28- There he is. Okay, right on time. I am a 28-year-old professional. I've lived on my own since graduating college. I moved out of town, grew up, and have have made my own way. My problem is my parents still treat me like I'm a child. I have never asked my parents for financial help. I own my own home. I have a solid job, and I'm in a steady relationship. My parents just can't seem to let go. Oh, there's that word again. My gosh, this was not planned, audience. This was not. Uh, My parents just can't seem to let go and let me live my life as an adult my dad will track me through my cell phone to see where i am or how late i'm staying out at night whoa i wonder if this is a male or female i don't know if i don't answer when my parents call then they are calling the local police station for a wellness check on me sometimes i'm out having fun with my friends or in bed sleeping i feel like they have me on a leash when i try to talk to them about this behavior they give me this whole guilt trip and say things like fine i'll never call my daughter again Uh, it's a girl it's a girl (laughs) or right there it is or that's that's one reason this happens or we were concerned something bad happened to you can can't a parent worry about their children I feel like my parents are trying to micromanage my life from over a thousand miles away. I've had enough. How do I get my parents to stop this behavior? It's very frustrating. I love my parents. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't need them tracking where I am on the weekends or calling the police so I don't answer my phone. How do I get my parents to let me go and trust my adult skills? And there's that word again, let go. How do I get my parents to do that? You know, this is funny because this is the absolute opposite of a couple questions ago. If you it see kind that. of is, isn't it's it? It's the complete opposite. It's the parents that won't let go. Yep. The other one was the child not letting go of yeah of needing the parent. Yeah. So wow. Um, this is a tough one, and there's some big flags in here for me. Okay. One, a parent should not be tracking their adult child. Oh my gosh. Ever. So whatever. Why not? Why not, doctor? Um, we shouldn't be tracking people period i'm one that's very in disagreement with these tracking apps and programs and things on um oh i agree we have to try that that's just we gotta let people be themselves we gotta let go there's trust we do have to (laughs) let go and if we're tracking that's pretty significant behavior yeah this is Uh, so whatever they're using to track you like disable and don't let them have access to that that's one if you're paying your own bill, they, nobody should be tracking you. Um, you so, know? but I hear parents here that are overly worried and fearful. Very fearful parents. I do see that. Like, if they don't, this person, she's not answering her phone, they're calling the police. police. That's pretty significant. I mean, come on. 
you know, you know, because sometimes people don't answer the phone because right. maybe doing something or maybe they left in the car and, you know, um, having a conversation. This is definitely going to stem back to I think she's so worried about hurting her parents feelings. I, I think see so that too. guilt that I comes back. That. Yeah. But you can't own that guilt. Yeah. Yeah. A child, a parent can worry about a, a child, but yeah, I, I'm not. I don't, I'm an adult. Right. I ain't paying my own bills. I right. have my own career. I live in my own place. I have my own relationship. I'm financially secure. Right. Let's talk about how does this look? What happened when you were my age? And even, even reflecting them back to your parents, did their parents do this to them? Well, they didn't have the technology. They didn't parents have that, would but say did that. they do it on a different level? I mean, there was Calling them all ways. the time. Right. Yeah. You know, maybe this is a learned behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, some families have learned that. Um, And that's how it starts. But it's definitely past um, healthy boundaries. So this relationship is is not not healthy. healthy. And what's going to happen is this kid is going to eventually be like, I'm done. Yeah, recently. And um, so these Drop off the map. Yeah. But this daughter needs to be okay with the fact that she needs to say, this is not okay. I don't want to have to worry about when you're calling me or what I'm doing or if I can be here or there. What? Absolutely. I mean, it's I not mean, okay for the parents old. to be doing this. No, no, this is not okay. I mean, I'm sure she moved a thousand miles away. Cause for a reason. Probably what <laughs> happened before, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's one thing when they're teenagers. It's a, this is a whole different ballgame when your child's an adult. And she's just going to have to let them know how it makes her feel and that it's, she's not okay with it. Mm-hmm. And she it she's not accepting this. Right. I right. love you, but I need to be an independent person, too. The fact that her dad tracks her through the cell phone to see where she is, that's got to be an app that she can get rid of. Yeah, whatever they're using. Yeah, um, that's got to be something she can it. do. Disable, disable your location, yeah. whatever. Disable it. Oh, my it. gosh. We're out of time, Dr. Angel. Okay, so some of this, some of these nine big questions up, I hear the word let go. I do. I do, too. And we certainly didn't plan that, as I said earlier. Let uh, go and communicate has really been the theme through it all. Say your truth. and communicate. Say it, your truth. Say your truth. Okay. And. And, and really believe that you're going to say your truth. You're going to be heard. And well, if, if you're not the first time, yeah, don't take ownership of something that's feelings. not you. Right. 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 Boy, I love doing these shows with you, Dr. Angel. It's always fun. We never know what's going to happen. We get, <laughs> with, with these, these questions come as surprises, and we love that. We're going to do another show just like this next week because the overabundance of questions. So you have time. <laughs> Send them in to goyard2014 at gmail.com. And uh, always go check out the podcast here at tantalknetwork.com under Go Yard. Podcast Go Yard and our website www.goyard2014 at no I mean dot org I get it all right Facebook too Facebook right Facebook yes. Go Yard Go Yard yes slash Facebook I mean Facebook I Go Yard 2013 no 1340 1340 that's, that's it. it we haven't said it for a while okay hey it's great Pete thanks love to do in these shows this has been who are you Dr. Angel and I'm Mama Mac and we've had a great time doing this show we will see you next week for another Q&A show right here at 6.06pm on Tantalk Network have a great week see ya Good night. Lisa Lisa